we're talking about taking that next step, about having a life of faith. Sometimes we get overwhelmed. We set our goals real high, which is great for our spiritual life. And and we get frustrated because we don't reach them quickly. And what we're trying to do is talk about what's our next step. What's the next step going to be? Basically, what's happened is Jesus has left Galilee. He left Galilee to have kind of a little break with the disciples. So he goes to get away, and all these people show up. He feels compassion. He feeds the 5,000. We read about that a little while ago. Then the Jews come from Jerusalem to challenge him. Again, no rest. So now he leaves to go to a place called Tyre and Sidon. And we'll see this area on a map in a little bit. It says, leaving that place, which is Galilee, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, oh, sorry. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Now listen up. Here's the key verse. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that very hour. I'll just give you an idea of where, we are, where we're at. It's kind of hard to see, but up in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see a, a city called Tyre. And then up above that is a small, smaller word, Sidon. And that's the area he was in. He's up by Lebanon. Okay, and then next week, he's going to come all the way around uh, the Sea of Galilee down into the Decapolis. Now remember, everybody keep in mind, this is Family Sunday, so we have lots of distractions. That's fine. It's Family Sunday. Kids start yelling stuff out. I ask kids questions, so don't get distracted by anything. It's the way it goes. I love Family Sunday. First service, I wanted to cancel Family Sunday a couple times, but then we got used to it, and now it's back again. So we're stoked, all right? So we're going to do this every, the fifth Sunday of every month. So here's this woman that comes to Jesus. This woman shouldn't even be alive because she's a Canaanite. And if you read Deuteronomy chapter 7, there's a list of instructions that that God gives uh, the Israelites saying, when you enter the land of Canaan, wipe those people out. And he gives a bunch of warnings that if you don't don't wipe them out, you're going to start to intermarry with them. They're going to start... Uh, having you go after other gods, all these different things. And the Israelites were disobedient, and so that's exactly what happened. You kids, do your parents ever give you things to, to do? They, give you instru- they don't ever give you instructions? Your parents do? Your parents do? Good. Your parents tell you to do stuff? Do you always do what your parents say to do? Yes? I like you. Okay? No? Uh-uh. Oh, I know. I know. So while sometimes Jesus tells me to do stuff, and sometimes it's kind of hard. So that's what happened to these Israelites. They told them, wipe out all the Canaanites, and they didn't. So now this woman's here, right? And Jesus says she has great faith. The Greek word is megas, and it's where we get our word mega. It's what we would call in this series next step faith. It's mega faith that she has. So this woman comes, and she's got mega faith. Now, 
If I were to ask everyone to raise their hand, who wants mega faith, our, all our hands would shoot up and we'd go, man, that's incredible. And I want us to see what it takes to have mega faith. Because again, when we're talking about next step faith, when we're talking about the next step, we're talking about a step in a journey to where we want to be. Okay, and that's where this woman was. Now, listen to what happens to this woman and listen to what happens to the disciples. Okay, because we've been watching the disciples now for a while in Matthew. And we've seen a lot of times where Jesus kind of comes down on the disciples and says, you have little faith. Little faith. Any of you guys have brothers or sisters? And your brother says, you're a baby. Ever, ever, your brother or sister ever say that to you? Yeah, you see that? Yeah, yeah you do? <laughs> That's cool. Well, you know what? Jesus, it was kind of like Jesus was saying that to the disciples. You have little baby faith. What's your problem? Now think about this. That's cold, Jesus. Listen to what he says to Peter. Okay, Peter steps out of a boat during a storm and walks on water. Now, who wants, that's, to me, mega faith, right? Walking on water, that's mega faith. But Peter steps on the water, and he's jamming along, and then the waves come, and he gets a little scared, and he falls into Jesus' arms, and Jesus goes, that was awesome, dude, that was mega faith. Oh, you're unbelievable, Peter. Everybody look at Peter, give him a hand. That's not what he says to Peter. He says, where's your faith? He's like, I'm sorry, I just walked 15 steps out of a boat on water. That's my faith. Ooh, right? But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, where's your faith? Remember, the disciples were in a boat, and it was twisting. It says the storm was great. It was a great storm. They were fearing for their life, and Jesus is asleep, right, in the boat. And they go, Jesus, wake up, wake up. And he says, you have little tiny baby faith. He has the little baby, baby faith, right? That's cold, Jesus. Then 5,000 people who are hungry and they don't have any food. And Jesus says, oh, you know, where are we going to find food to, to feed these guys? Go, whip, go, why don't you go whip something up for me? And they go, what are you talking about? He says, where's your faith, right? And then all of a sudden this woman comes up, says a few things, and she's got mega faith? That doesn't seem very fair. Listen, faith is relative. Jesus says, to whom much is given... Much is required. Did you guys see the movie Spider-Man? Yeah. Right? See that? With great strength comes great what? That's it. It's the same thing. Nice. With great power comes great responsibility. Jesus kind of says the same thing. He kind of sets Spider-Man up for that, okay? He says, to whom much is given, much is required. And that's us, church. Our next step faith is wherever you are, let's go. Some of you have seen many, many, many miracles. You've been in the church for years and years and years and years. You've seen God see many people come to faith in Christ, but you have little faith. Because even no matter what you've seen, it's hard for you to just go talk to that neighbor, to go do this. It's You've become stagnant. you become little faith. Some have just barely, you just, the light just turned on of who God is and you're making great faith. Maybe it's not big steps as far as what the world would say, but God would say, yes, that's it. Great mega faith. You see what I'm saying? It's very important for us to see. What, what I want to boil it down to is this. I don't know if you guys ever watch TV. Sometimes they'll have, you'll have a Christian on a TV show, like a talk show or whatever, and 
it's kind of like a little debate. And they never get, they never get a guy on there that could just tear him up. They always kind of like get someone who's not as secure in their faith. And so they always say this, you're just using Jesus as a crutch. When I was in the seventh grade, don't worry, I'm not scaring you guys or anything. Or maybe I am scaring you, but I don't mean to. Okay. I broke my leg in the seventh grade. And I had a full-length cast uh, from here all the way down to my foot. And so I had these crutches. These are Audrey's crutches. She broke her leg as well. She just does everything I do. She always has to be better than me. Um, <laughs> but I had my, my crutches. And I'd lean on these crutches because I had a broken leg. And so when I see people say to somebody, you just use religion or you just use Jesus as a crutch, they always go, no, he's not a crutch. It's just, let me, I'm here to tell you, he is a crutch. People say, John, you just use Jesus as a crutch. Absolutely. Yes, I do. What's your crutch? Is it Jesus? Because, see, I can use a lot of things to hold myself up, right? But they don't work as well as crutches do. I'm broken. You're broken. We're all broken. And what we need is the thing designed to hold us up while we're broken. That's our faith in Christ. Now, what I did when I was a kid, and, and don't you kids, don't do this at home. You can't now because crutches aren't made when they were when I was a kid, they were made out of stone back then. And um, <clears throat> what what Og Og would make all our crutches? No, I'm kidding. Um, well, you know, it's like a cave. Ma- <clears throat> okay. So anyway, they were um, you'd adjust them. Make this adjust with just like a little button that you push in. Okay. But the way you'd adjust them uh, when I was a kid was they'd have these rods that went through these screws. So what I would do because I went to a school where I was kind of picked on a little bit. Any of you guys get picked on at school? Yeah. Well, I had a big mouth. And so, uh, and I went to a school where um, it was not very diverse, and I was the diversity. And so, um, <laughs> and so uh, people would take my crutches from me, and they'd, they'd run away and hide them. Right? And then I'd, I'd, I was in the seventh grade. I'd hop all around. So after I broke this leg... Finally, the cast comes off. Three weeks later, I break this leg. So I spent three months on crutches, and I got really good at them. I could walk downstairs with keeping my legs up in the air and all this. I can't do it now. I'd kill myself. But what I'd do is I'd take one of the pins out of the crutches, and only I knew how to walk on them with one pin. And so uh, uh, you'd keep them right next to your feet, and I could walk in, and they looked like normal crutches. And then someone would take my crutches and go, ha, ha, I got your crutches. And when they'd plant down, they'd push out and they'd fall and they'd just take a header right down the thing, <laughs> right? It was awesome. And I'd be hopping down the thing, yeah, you know, and they'd come back. It's, by the way, just so you know, uh, it's not fun to be beaten with your own crutch. <laughs> it, it doesn't... So it, they looked like crutches and they acted like crutches, but when it came time for them to put their weight on them, they broke, right? Because I set them up for a fall. No pun in, Well, actually, I did intend that pun, to be quite honest, okay? I have to ask you, what are you putting your trust in? We, we, we put our faith in a lot of different things. Some people had put their faith in their 401k, and, oh, I'm going to retire in two years. And now they're like, yeah, I'm going to retire in 12 years. Right? 
Because it's going to take some time to build it back up again. People put their faith in a lot of different things. I was watching an a, um, a interview with Arnold Palmer. And uh, they were interviewing him and they said, Okay, the end of the world rests on a 16-foot putt. Right? Who do you want to take it? Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas? Right? Who are you going to put your faith in? And of course, Arnold Palmer being the gentleman that he is, well, you know, they're both very good. And, you know. But I started thinking, that'd be kind of a trip. Could you imagine the whole fate of the world rests on one little 16 foot? I'll tell you what, I'm not taking it, right? I'm not putting my faith in me. Lots of things we can put our faith in. Lots of sports, our athletic ability, our, our intellect, all these different things. But it's only Jesus that's the crutch that's designed for our brokenness. And this is what this woman understood. This is why she had great faith. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a verse real quick. This idea that Jesus is just a crutch. He is a crutch. Hebrews 11.6. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. It's impossible. That Greek word is impossible. That's what it means. (laughs) Not possible. Now think about that. That's an incredible statement because you think, well, no, the, no, the way I, I please God is by doing the right thing and I do this and I do that and I do that and that pleases God. Apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Where are you putting your faith? What are you trusting in? Because we're going to look at four things that this woman kind of was an example to us. What she put her faith in. How she did it. Okay? The first is her faith was rightly focused. It was rightly focused. I can put my faith in all sorts of stuff. I was reading uh, uh, some different articles this week on people, uh, on a couple guys who put their faith in a parachute. And it didn't open. I know. Messy, right? But they had all the... When they jumped out of that plane, they had all the faith in the world. They had mega faith. But the parachute didn't open. It failed them. I read about another person who was putting all their faith in this thing called DAT. It's called dolphin-assisted therapy. And basically, whatever your ailment is, you swim around with the dolphins and somehow, that magically, you get healed. Whatever, I don't know, you know. What are you going to put your faith in? It has to be rightly focused. Um, last, last service, I didn't go into detail because uh, my son was here. But um, as you guys know, Jesse has epilepsy. And um, uh, we went, Lisa and I went to a class on Friday where they kind of go over the epilepsy he has and all the different dangers and stuff. Scary, scary, scary stuff. And so they go over all the different things. You've got to get on top of this. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And this is what can happen. And these are all the examples of what happened uh, when, 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 when people didn't do the right thing at the right time and all that. And, and here are the medications coming down. And here are the best medications you can use. And he's allergic to all the best medications. All this kind of stuff. And you come out of there going, oh, man. What are we going to do? We're going to lean on... Not medicine, not the medicine of the day, not the next surgery, 
We're going to learn as much as we can. We're going to be responsible. But we're going to lean on. Our faith is going to be rightly focused on God alone. Because we can do whatever we want. We can learn as much as we want. I can go to med school. Well, I can... I wouldn't even be accepted in med school, okay? But I could sit on the outside and look inside a window at med school. It's not going to make any difference. Ultimately, it's going to be God that does it. I want to read a verse to you that has been a great source of strength for Lisa and I. By the way, kids, I just wanted to show you what they did last service. Somebody drew this pretty monkey and gave it to me. And then I realized that it says Pastor John and it has an arrow pointing to it. Okay? Okay? You want to put mom or dad with an arrow, that's fine. But don't you be putting Pastor John on there, okay? All right. This is just a little example there. Okay? Check out this verse. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. For in you my soul takes refuge. See, that is, that is rightly focused faith. In you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. See, for me and for Lisa, for what we're going through right now, this is an anchor verse for us. Because guess what, guys? The doctor that we go to the doctor, you know, he's got he's got he's got literally like I don't know, it's like fifteen. No, I'm exaggerating. It's like five plaques on his wall. You know, he, he specializes in epilepsy. He specializes in pediatric epilepsy. He's, oh my goodness, goodness, goodness. The last time I was in there, he said, well, what do you think we should do next? I'm like, uh, shouldn't that be you telling me what we should do, right? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Where's my faith going to be? In him? Are you kidding me? I love the guy. Great guy. It's got to be in God. Look at this. Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Rightly focused faith. That kid who stole my crutches, he had all the confidence in the world that those things were going to hold him up. It was a beautiful thing to see. I wish I I filmed just slow motion. Click. uh Uh-oh. Wham. Right? Awesome. Right? Thought it was going to hold him up, but it didn't. Why? Because there's an evil little kid, an evil little devil horns, right? In Acts chapter 3, do you kids, did they teach you the story? Did your parents or, or, or Sunday school teach you the story about the man? There was a man who had a disease all his life, and he couldn't walk. And he was at a gate. It was a gate called Beautiful by the, by the synagogue. You remember that story? Exactly. He couldn't walk. Well, maybe he was like that or maybe he was like that. I don't know. I don't know what he was like, but it was something like that. He couldn't walk. So he's begging. He's begging. He's trying to put his faith in people to give him money. And Peter comes up to him and says, I don't have any money, but what I do have is this. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he gets up and he starts walking and jumping around and praising God. And the people start freaking out. You can imagine that would be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? They start freaking out. And this is what Peter says. He says, by faith in the name of Jesus. This is rightly focused faith. 
This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Rightly focused faith, like Bailey the monkey was saying, it's not Moses that did the miracle. It was God that did it through Moses. It was God that did the miracle through Peter here. It's Jesus that does the miracle for this mom who comes up and says to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me, she says. She didn't focus on the disciples. She didn't focus on any Pharisees. She went straight to Jesus. She cried out, Lord, Son of David. That goes right to Jesus. Rightly focused. Secondly, it's repentant. It's repentant. It says in the scripture here, Have mercy, O God, on me. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Now listen, mega faith, we think of mega faith, and sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we need to come to God saying we're sorry. Do you guys ever have to say you're sorry to your parents? Parents, do you ever have to say you're sorry to each other? Yeah, right? Good job, parents. Very proud of you. Oh, I'm kidding, sorry. right? There's a sense of faith that has to come from a repentant heart. Now, this woman lived in Tyre and Sidon, okay? The god they worshipped up there was Asarte, okay? And, and it, this was an idol, and there were many idols up there. In order for her to go to Jesus, she had to turn her back on those idols, turn from them, and rightly focus her attention on Jesus. That's what repentance is. We turn our back on our sin, and we focus in on God. Okay, and this is what she had to do. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said this to Chorazin and Bethsaida. He said, woe to you guys. In other words, curse you. If you got, let me read it to you right here. Because I was going to paraphrase, but I want to read the whole thing. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in, where is he now? Tyre and Sidon they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Again, he's coming down on their faith. Don't you see the miracles I'm doing? Don't you see this great work of God that's happening? So you should respond, how? Repentance. Repentance. For some of you, your mega faith, your next step of faith is to repent. You say, but I want to move mountains. I want to cast out demons. I want to ask for mighty miracles. Fantastic. God can do all those things. But it might be that your next step is going before God and saying, Dear God, please, I want to turn from my sin and grow in faith with you. That's your mega step. That's the next step that needs to happen. In our vision for Living Spring... We have uh, three things. To reach our neighborhood and the surrounding communities with the love of the Father. To restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son. And to respond to a move of God's Spirit. And that first part, reach, the verse we use is this next one. It's in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but what? but everyone to come to repentance. See, we're saved by faith, 
We're talking about faith this morning, faith in these crutches through grace. The fact that God accepts our asking for forgiveness. He doesn't have to do that, but he does through his grace. He's rich in grace and rich in mercy. Praise God he's not like me who would pull out the two pins up at the top and go, yeah, put your faith in me. And okay, ah, you know, right? Because we can't hit Jesus like I used to get hit in order for them to get back at me. An attitude of repentance. For some of us guys, mega faith, next step faith is going to start with turning our back on our sin. The third thing she comes with is reverence. She says this. She comes and kneels before him. Lord, help me, she says. Lord, help me. She's very reverent. She says when she addresses him, she's crying out, Lord, son of David. How refreshing for Jesus. <laughs> I mean, think about what he's been through in the last few stories we've been telling about him. Right? I mean, the Pharisees are all on him. People are bugging him, all this kind of stuff. And finally, it takes a woman, a Canaanite, who never should have been alive, to finally come with the kind of reverence that he's due. And what she does is the NIV, it's not that great of translation in the NIV. She comes and kneels. And so a lot of times we think, you know, kneeling kind of like this. But really it was like this. The Greek word is she was prostrate before him. She was in an act of worship before him. She was being reverent before him. And so she was really more like this. So I'm still kneeling, but really I'm bowing. That's how she came to him. This attitude of reverence. Now, some people teach, and there's an element of truth to it, that we need to claim by faith promises, and we need to be, we need to be confident and declare them, and somehow through the way we're just kind of, we kind of just like, we kind of demand our way through faith. Now, there's an element of that. The scripture says we become, we come before God confidently before his throne. But there's another element of faith that has a reverence before God. You can never go wrong with reverence. Like, you know, I can, you guys, do any of you guys have like, do you, any of you guys ask your parents for stuff like an Xbox 360 or anything like that? Yeah, you do? Did you get one? No? Oh, I like your parents. Yeah. You got a Wii? Okay, there's a bathroom right in the back over there. Okay. Bad little joke. Kids, feel free to take that home if you'd like. Uh, you guys ever ask your parents for stuff? No, you don't ever ask your parents for anything? Oh, you ask your grandpa? Your grandma, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Go to the right source, no doubt. Go to the people who can't say no. How do you ask for stuff? Do you walk in, do you demand? Do you go to your dad and go, Hey, I know you got the money, give me that Xbox 360. Okay, do you say please? Oh, he says, do you have money? He says, yeah, you can buy an Xbox 360. Is that what he says? And that's the end of the story, huh? Yeah. Well, there you go, okay? Yeah, your dad. Good guy. We should have him preach the next sermon, Okay. When you want something, right, you come in an attitude of reverence. When you want a raise, you come in and you, 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 there's a certain element of reverence. This is the same with God. Yes, we can go confidently before our Heavenly Father. He loves us. 
But there still should be a sense of reverence, of going, Lord, look, listen, guys, do I want my son to be healed? Yes. Do I go before him? Yes. But we were just praying the other day, Lisa and I, we go on these prayer walks, and I was praying, Lord God, please heal my son. Please heal him. Can he heal him? Yes. Can I demand that he heals? I can. God's not going to smack me upside the head. But God, in his sovereignty, is going to do what God's going to do. And that's what faith is. To go, you know what? I know you can do it. I know God can heal my son. I know it. I believe it. It's not a lack of faith. But I come with a reverence that says, God, there might be something up in this kingdom that you're trying to do, not in this kingdom. And I'm all about this, making this kingdom comfortable. Let me look at some verses here real quick. The sacrifices of God are broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Listen, if you come to God in faith with a broken spirit, he's not going to say, you know what, you just didn't do it the right kind of faith way. You need to be more demanding. He's not going to do that. He honors a broken... How are we with our own kids? When they come and they're humble and they ask politely, what are their chances of getting something? A lot better. Because when you come contritely with a broken heart and God says, no, you're okay with that. Why? Because your heart is broken and contrite. When it's demanding, we don't accept that. We go right back to the Beatitudes again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who wants here, who wants kingdom power in their life? Raise your hands. I did this last service. I'm going to raise both hands. I want kingdom power in my life. I want that. I want the kingdom. I want to be able to. I wish I had gifts of healing. You guys still want the kingdom. Fantastic. Kids will always outperform parents when it comes to raising hands. Right? Parents are like, yeah, I want some kingdom power. (laughs) Totally. I just don't want anyone to see me want kingdom power. Okay? Right? Kids are just like, I want the kingdom power. You know? That's why I love Family Sunday, right? Because Family Sunday is all about the kingdom power, right? So we all want kingdom power. We all want this stuff. I wish I, wish I had the gift, gifts of healing. I could heal people, and that was just awesome. I, we're praying this year, 2009, for an outpouring of God's Spirit. Now, how are we going to have an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, to have the kingdom arrive at Living Spring. We go to two services. Why? To make seats open for people to come and sit and experience the kingdom of God in their lives. How are we going to do that? By being poor in spirit. By being in touch with our sin. By being in touch with with where we are. Not in a, oh, woe is me. God can't use me for anything. Oh, you know, I just... Take the cobwebs out of my life, Lord. Take the cobwebs out. Oh, Lord, I'm no good. (laughs) That's not what it's about. It's being about like, God, nothing. Gord Lod is what I said. (laughs) Lord God, please do a mighty work in me. It can't be through me. Help me talk to my neighbor. Help me invite that co-worker. Poor in spirit. The last thing is, she was relentless. She was relentless. We're going to go over some barriers that she had to her faith, that she had to overcome. This woman, she's awesome. This woman is awesome, by the way. She loves her daughter enough, nothing's going to get in her way. 
to be with Jesus. She sees the need and she knows that Jesus is the only answer. And let me tell you, church, some of us have lost that edge of being relentless. We've been beaten down with that coworker. You maybe you've talked to them a number of times about Jesus and maybe they're getting worse or maybe they just dismiss you or whatever and you go, you know what? I'm done. It's just whatever the Lord's going to do. Some of you have been praying for people for years and years and years and years and it's just kind of died down. And maybe your step of faith is going to be to become a little more relentless. You guys ever go to your parents and go, hey, dad, 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 dad. You do that? Huh? And then finally he goes, what? Right? Yeah? Yeah? Now, hey, listen, guys. Yeah, poor McKelvey's. I'm talking to their son now. My son was here first service, okay? So I, in all humility, uh, yeah, it was because of my son we almost canceled Family Sunday forever, okay? So they don't be looking at people's kids the way they act and go, no, I cannot believe it. I just can't. All right? It's usually the kid who's acting up the most that's going to be the president. So uh, just be, be happy for that. No, I'm kidding relentless. Jesus even told a story about a judge, this evil judge, mean judge. And this lady kept going, judge, 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 would show up at the market. Hey, judge, 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 judge. Show up at his office. Judge, judge, judge. Finally, he goes, what do you want? Fine, take it. And Jesus says, that was an evil judge. And she got what she wanted. How much more when we go before a father who loves us? Now what will happen is, as we begin to go before God and go before God and go before God and go before God, He changes our heart and we get what we want every time. God gives us the desires of our heart. If the desire of our heart is not right, then there's a pairing request. I'm going to reject that. There we go. Alright. You can see I'm I'm a very messy desktop type person, all right? Killer, berries to faith. Awesome, all right? Thank you, Cece. All right, first barrier she has, time. Look at what the disciples say. This gives us an, an idea that she's been bugging Jesus for a little while. Jesus did not answer a word, so the disciples came and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. This Greek word for crying out is screaming. She's making a scene. And she keeps doing it. And some guys, some of you, some of me, us, our step of faith is to take it up a notch. Even though we've been going at it a long time, praying for healing, praying for healing, praying for restoration, praying for a marriage year after year after year after year that the spouse would come to Christ. And we've given up. And your mega faith, your next step, is to get back on your knees again. Now, I want to stop right here very quickly because I want to notice something about the disciples. Because the disciples, again, their lack of faith is shown here again. Is he send her away for she keeps bugging us. Jesus, first we went to Galilee. We were going to kick back there and have a nice retreat, just the 13 of us, right? And then the people showed up and we fed them. That was cool. Thanks for the bread. It worked out great, whatever. Then the Pharisees came and they were all up in our face and it was annoying. And so we go to Tyre and Sidon where the Pharisees won't go and we can hang out there. And now this lady's ruining our retreat. Tell her to shut up. 
And Jesus said, don't ever say that word. You bad disciples. And so they say, tell her to stop. She keeps crying out. Tell her to be quiet. Heal her. Do whatever. And listen, church. It's easy to get into. Listen, again, two services. Why? To open up seats. Why? For the needy. For the people who need crutches, right? Needy people are needy. And needy people don't have it all together because they're needy. And sometimes we get a disruption. Sometimes church doesn't look like it should. Sometimes we don't like the worship music. Sometimes the sermon was just, ah, and we say, oh, good night, Lord. Sometimes the people that we're caring for the most, we're so sick of hearing their story. We're just like, fine, get a divorce. What do I care? (laughs) Yeah. And this is where the disciples are. And church, if we get there, let's close up chop. If we get to the point where the lost and the broken are upsetting our retreat and it just bugs us too much, let's just fold it up, sell the property, and go to some other church where it's more comfortable. Because that is what it's all about. Not just us coming and the church looks just like we want and this is cool, it's our little retreat, whatever. And so, Jesus is silent, he's silent, he's silent. His disciples go, this is bugging us, and then he speaks. He says, oh, you're bugged, are you? Well, let's, now let's talk to her. Let's really interrupt everything. Because I want to show you what I'm all about. I'm all about the kingdom. Time. She just keeps going. The second thing, qualification. She, ha- she is utterly disqualified to come before Jesus right now. Am I so good? Oh, cool. She's utterly disqualified. He says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. See, she knows Jesus is a Jew. She knows he's a... She calls him the son of David. She knows... That, that is a term for the Messiah. And she knows she's not there. And so she says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he says, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And you know what her answer is? Lord, help me. That's the only answer she has. Some of you, your step of faith is going to be, Lord, help me. I know I'm disqualified. I know that. And you know what? God is faithful. And for some, you feel disqualified. For the longest time in my spiritual life, years ago, when I was really into that my, um, really into that what I knew and uh, those things made me important, if I had a week where I felt like it was like more sinful than another week, I didn't even want to go to the Lord because I, I felt like I needed to be qualified first to go before God. Guess what? You ain't qualified. <laughs> You've memorized all the scripture you want. You can have a week that, as far as you're concerned, is without sin. And you're still disqualified. It's only by grace that God, though He's rich in mercy, while we were yet sinners, while we're totally disqualified, God dies on the cross and qualifies us. So this woman was disqualified. She just says, help me. Some of you, your next step of faith is going to be to drop to your knees and say, Lord, help me. 
I know I'm disqualified. And let him move. Third, culture. This woman, Canaanites were called dogs. Okay? They were called dogs. And it wasn't a very nice term to call them dogs. It wasn't like a nice puppy or whatever. Cute little puppy. It was a dog, a mangy mutt. And all through Scripture, we see this word dog. Um, in Philippians, it says, Beware of the dogs, the evil workers. Okay? Uh, in Luke, it's talking about the, the beggar Lazarus and how the dogs, the mangy mutts, were licking uh, his sores. In Revelation chapter 22, it talks about uh, the people who are outcasts. They're dogs, sorcerers, murderers. These different things. It's not a good term. In Second Peter, it says a dog will return to its own vomit. In Matthew, we saw chapter 7. Don't give what's holy to the dogs. And now Jesus says to her, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now guess what? Jesus uses a term for dog that's not found anywhere else in Scripture. All those verses I quoted to you was for a mangy street mutt. This is for a household pet. And Jesus begins to use a term, and she uses it too. And he says, oh, you've got awesome faith. That, listen, I'm sent first to the house of Israel. And she says, I know, but I know you, and I know your kingdom, and when it comes, I'm going to benefit too. Even the dogs, even the, the dogs that are part of the house get some benefit from you taking lordship. And he says, you have got mega faith. Mega faith. Because she says, look, I know culturally I'm a dog. They use the other term when they refer to me. But for you, I'm part of this household somehow. I know it's going to happen. I know you can still do it, even though you're called to the house of Israel. And what happened was, Israel rejected Jesus, as we know, and he opened it up for everybody, for this woman as well. 